Please join me in prayer. Father, almighty creator of heaven and earth, hear our praises and remind us today of your holiness, justice, love, and mercy towards us. Press into us that only you are worthy of our worship. At this turning of the year when our minds naturally turn inward and our tendency is to think of self-fulfillment and to better ourselves through our own efforts. Instead, remind us that our only hope is in you and we are sufficient only through the life, death, and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Remind us through the spirit that you love us and sent your son when we were unworthy, dead in our sin and rebellious hearts. You have placed eternity in man's heart and you tell us that fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Teach us to fear you and to obey your commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. In our city, we pray for teachers and school administrators that they are able to rest during this break and return refreshed to do the important work of teaching children in our city. For those families for who this season is especially difficult because of loss, present suffering, poverty, or hunger, we ask for your grace to sustain and meet needs. Use your hands and feet, your church, to serve our city to meet the needs of physical and spiritual hunger and poverty. We pray for local, national, and international leaders for the grace of good governance that furthers peace and justice. Specifically, we continue to pray for a peaceful end to the war in Ukraine. For those in our body who are ill, recovering from surgery, or living with pain or chronic illness, send your spirit to comfort, sustain, and heal. We pray specifically for Hannah Scroggins, who is hospitalized with complications from pregnancy, that she will feel your presence and her family will be comforted by your spirit. And for Rebecca Carr and her family and the sudden death of her brother, please comfort Rebecca and their family in their grief. Help us to persevere when we despair, even when we face pain and death. Ever remind us that in Christ we are already healed from the eternal effects of sin and that we can hope in the day Christ returns to wipe away every tear and to make all things new. We pray for those in your service in ministry here and around the world. And specifically, I ask for fruitful ministry for Anthony and Sayo Adahan, serving with MTW in Japan. Continue to open doors for gospel partnership and that others may hear of the hope of your son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us and other brothers and sisters to encourage them in their ministry and sustain and protect Anthony, Sayo, and their children. Father, through Reverend Holt's preaching of your word this morning, remind us of your mercy so that we may be merciful. Remind us of your compassion so that we can be compassionate. Remind us of your love so that we may love others more than ourselves. Help us to see your goodness in our daily, ordinary lives. We pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, through whose death and resurrection we are restored. Amen. Well, Happy New Year. It's wonderful to be in God's presence together on the first day of the year. Uh, wonderful. This will be the first of 52 times this year we'll gather on the first day of the week. And that's really great news uh, because all that uh, Steve just prayed is true because God has sent his son for us and Jesus has done everything necessary for our salvation, for us to have eternal life. Uh, we begin every single week like we're beginning the year resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Rejoicing in his victory over sin and death and evil. But it is the first day of the year 
And uh, if you're like me, it's hard not to take inventory of yourself and other things at the end of a year. And it's probably wise. It's probably a good and a wise practice to take serious inventory of all sorts of things as one year comes to a close. And basically what we all do in one way or another is we sort of reset at the beginning of the year. Uh, You might have uh, made some New Year's resolutions. I resolved a few years ago to never, ever again make resolutions. So I'm free for that forever now, which is great. Uh, But it's still a reset. It's the beginning of a new year. And so today I want to look with you at one verse, Proverbs 4.23, that gives us a priority for us individually and as a church uh, that God's rescued people uh, for the whole of the year, actually for the whole of our lives. In just a minute, I'm going to read Proverbs 4.23. If you read Proverbs 1 through 9, uh, this is wisdom and the, the wisdom mechanism here is the wise father passing on wise wisdom to his son or his sons. And so it's supposed to be an open way for anyone, everyone to receive wisdom because there really should be wise people in your life, authoritative people in your life that are passing on wisdom to you that you're receiving and walking in their ways. As a matter of fact, this is inescapable. All of us have people we look up to. All of us have people that we emulate. All of us have models for our lives. And here's the amazing invitation from the book of Proverbs. I'm standing here right now in front of hundreds of people whom the father has adopted. You belong to God. He loved you and set his love on you. And he sent his son for you. you I'm sitting, standing in front of hundreds of adopted children. And the father would pass wisdom on to you. The father sent his son for your salvation. And with irresistible grace and love drew you to himself through the son. You were truly and genuinely children of God. And God the father wants to speak to your heart of hearts. So give your attention with me to Proverbs 4.23 and then we'll consider what kind of reset God would graciously give us this year. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. All flesh is like grass and all its glory is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, But the word of our God stands forever. Uh, Today, I just want to look at this one verse. And I want to suggest to you that this is a great priority for you and for me. And let me just tell you the truth. I'm preaching to you the sermon I need to hear. I need a reset. In the deepest places in my heart. I need to hear Proverbs 4.23. And if there's any sense in which you're aware of the same things in you that at the core of yourself, by the grace of God, you need to reset about the most important things, then join me as we look at this passage today. Above all else, guard your heart. Here's, if you had a more wooden translation uh, of the Hebrew, more than all of your keeping guard your heart. The, the, the author here assumes that you're keeping up with a lot of stuff. 
And if you're a student today, a young child, you're keeping up with your backpack and maybe your homework and maybe your sporting equipment and maybe your uh, musical instruments and you're, you're keeping up with a lot of your kid these days. There's just a lot to keep up with. Well, this proverb says, along with more than all the other stuff you're keeping up with, I want you to guard your heart. Um, if you're in here today and um, you're a young married woman um, you, you, and you've got a couple of ch- uh, children, uh, you, you realize the list of things to keep up with are just getting bigger and longer. All the things. That's probably the most frequent phrase I've heard since moving to Birmingham. All the things. I hear it all the time. All the things. Well, here's what the proverb is saying. Along with all the things that you're keeping up with, more than that, more more than all the things that you're keeping track of, guard your heart. No matter who you are today in this room, you've got a lot of things that you're keeping up with. And sometimes some of us wake up in the middle of the night and those lists are just churning through our minds. Sometimes you wake up in the morning and the list of things to keep up with are already running at you. And you wish you had a good big tight end blocking for you. We all have lots of things we're keeping up with. And the the proverb knows that and says, along with all the things, more than all the things that you're keeping up with, all the lists, all the duties, all the requirements, all the chores, all the responsibilities, more than all that, you need to guard your heart. It's an emphatic imperative. Guard your heart. And I want you to hear something in that. This is from our father. We're his children. This assumes you have new agency. This assumes that your heart is worth guarding and you've got a job to do, not by yourself. As a beloved adopted child of God, you are a renewed and rescued agent. You're not living in bondage to sin and darkness. No, you've been brought out of bondage. You're living in the light. And so now guard up. Now it's time for you to take that renewed, graciously rescued agency very seriously and you should guard your heart. Take it very, very seriously. What's the heart? The heart, your heart is the integrating center of the whole person. It's the integrating center where all of our thinking and actions and thought, sorry, uh, affections and motives are all running together and coming out of our heart. The other day, Josh and I, it was Friday, I think, Josh and I were driving uh, to Chipotle. Josh was driving us to Chipotle, and um, we were pulling in, and, and I, would, I just wanted you to know, Josh was hungry. He was ready to eat, and um, a car began to pull out and, and almost, you know, T-boned us, and Josh graciously and kindly honked his horn pretty firmly so they would know, hey, don't do that. That'll cause an accident, and it was wonderful. As Josh honked his horn, Spanish praise music began to come out of his radio. Just, just immediately, honk, and then all this Spanish praise music. And I was like, Josh, that's a little weird. He goes, yes, it is. He said, they, those wires are kind of crossed in there, and when I honk the horn, the radio comes on. All right. I want you to know that your heart is like that. It's all tied together in there. And you push the right button, there's no telling what's going to come out. That's what you're, that's how you are wired. And like Josh's interesting electrical system, there's a little bit of realignment needs to happen from time to time because it, it, we, we, it's all connected 
It's all integrated. And here's why you have to guard your heart. Whatever you love and adore the most, it becomes the integrating center of the whole of your life. You got to guard your heart because the heart's the integrating center of who you are. And if you set your heart on something that's not worthy of adoration and worship, all that integration is misaligned. And so more than all that you keep, above all, guard your heart. It's the integrating center of your life. Use that rescued agency by the grace of God. Take responsibility for your heart. So here's some things you need to do. Pay serious attention to your heart. Guard your affections. I've noticed in myself, and it might be a cultural reality, that distraction and numbness are pseudo ways to guard one's heart. Distraction and numbness are a way not to feel what your heart is feeling and ways to avoid the Lord. You need to guard your affections. You need to guard your thought life. You need to guard your imagination and your daydreams. These are all gifts from God. You need to guard your motivations and your desires. You need to guard, pay attention to your perspective. Every now and then there's times, the first day of the week is always a good time to do this. The first day of the year, a remarkable one. But every now and then you got to take inventory of what's really going on under the hood in your heart. So let's say I'm aware, I'm a cynical person. What's going on under there? Why do I instinctively have cynical responses to certain people or in certain situations? What's down there? What's driving that? Perhaps I've noticed that I have fearful responses to all kinds of people in all kinds of situations. What's going on there? Why, is, why does fear have so much impact on how I relate to God, myself, others, and various situations? Maybe, and this would be a real gift that would lead to humility, maybe I'm realizing that pride impacts my heart too much, that there, that there is pride in here. And I'm realizing, and it's coming to my consciousness, I'm realizing pride impacts my perspective because it's coming out of my heart. So I feel the most comfort when I have the most control. Give that to me and it'll go better. I should be in charge of this, not her. It's important if you can note the various perspectives that naturally come in and shape how you view yourself and others, people in your family who you work with in different situations. If you can catch those ways that are kind of patterns, if we can catch these ways that are patterns for ourselves, it'll help us pay attention to our heart, our affections, our thought lives, our motives, our daydreams, our perspectives, our desires. Imagine this, imagine that you are praying for, uh, let's say you're doing the, the pray for me. Do y'all do the pray for me campaign, praying for our youth? 
All right, so imagine you are and you're praying for a 14-year-old girl in our youth group. Or let's say you're the mother of the 14-year-old girl or the grandmother of the 14-year-old girl or you're the mother's best friend. But you're all praying for this 14-year-old girl. We're going to call her Mags. Her name's Margaret Maggie. We're going to call her Mags today. You're all praying for Mags. And imagine you're praying for this 14-year-old girl and you're like, oh, Lord, we hope she gets married one day. And here's what we want for her, Lord. We want you to grant her a narcissistic coward who will rule over everybody with a heavy hand because he has to have his way in every situation. Now raise your hand if that's how you're praying for Mags. No, no, no. It's not what we want. Imagine praying that, that that's what our sons would be. No, 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 it's not what we want. So how do we become the people God is calling us to be? What's our role in becoming the people God is calling us to be? By the grace of God, we've been rescued from deep heart darkness. By the grace of God, we're no longer slaves to sin. The presence is still there and we've got renewed agency. And one thing that we must do is pay careful attention to the direction of our hearts. You have to take that agency and guard your heart. Imagine playing the Golden State Warriors. You're the Memphis Grizzlies. You're up by five points in the fourth quarter. There's eight minutes left and you forget Steph Curry's on the other team. Won't work. You have to be alert and guard your heart. You have to be, you have to know what's happening. Where's the threat? Where are the powers? What's most likely to pull me in the wrong direction? Our lives are filled with God's good gifts and we have so many good things to do, but the course of our life is led through the heart, the integrating center of who we are. Above all else, guard your heart. Why? Look at the second line of the the verse. For everything you do flows from it. That's kind of obvious now, isn't it? If your heart's the integrating center of who you are, above all else, guard your integrating core self because everything you do is running through your heart. Everything you do. Sometimes we think of our spirituality as a a compartment over here. This is where I'm spiritual and holy. And over here is the rest of life where I just live the way everyone else lives. But in the Bible, you are made in God's image and you can't ever stop being made in God's image. If you're a believer in Christ Jesus, you're a blood-bought child of God and your spirituality is the core of who you are and you take it everywhere. There's not a place you can go where Jesus isn't Lord. There is no place you can go where you're not his image bearer. There's nowhere you can go where you're not a rescued by the grace of God, child of God. So the core of who you are is spiritual and you carry it everywhere you go. And so above all else, guard your heart for... Everything you do flows from it. In other words, your affections drive the whole of your life. What you love, your highest priorities, how you think, what motivates you, what drives you, everything flows from that, from the integrated core center of yourself, your heart. So we've seen the basic commandment, above all else, guard your heart. We've seen why everything flows from it. Now, if you look in your worship guide, I want to help us here by using page 13. And I want to talk about how we will guard our hearts. 
this year together. And this is some summoning you to join me in guarding our hearts together in the year 2023. So please hear that as a summons to you to respond in guarding your heart, taking, taking yourself really seriously in a holy way, not in the way our culture would tell us to center everything on ourselves. How will we guard our hearts? And the, the basic core answer is the most important thing we're going to do is bring our hearts into God's gracious presence. That's the most important thing. We'll say that in lots of ways. How, that's the answer, question my answer right now. How will we guard our hearts? I want you to by faith, bring yourself, your core self into the very presence of God. And on these four blanks here on page 13, I'm going to tell you the kind of thing you might've heard in seventh grade at a youth retreat. And I'm not ashamed of that. I'm going to give you a pattern for prayer. When you bring your heart into God's presence, his gracious presence through faith. If I just told you it's an acronym you learned in seventh grade, some of you already know it's ACTS and that's it. That's what I want you to do. I want you above all else to guard your heart. And here's how we're going to do it. We're going to do it by resetting our adoration. We're going to reset it by secondly, actually confessing our hearts are often way out of whack. We're going to reset our hearts by giving God thanks because he is good and he fills our lives with good things that we're tempted to worship. And then finally, we're going to learn supplication, how to pray because we've, our hearts have been in God's presence and not just alone, but together. So let's look at it. This is, this is how we're going to have our hearts reset. This is how we're going to guard our hearts because everything's flowing from them. First of all, adoration. Uh, so I retranslated Psalm 147, the first verse, because it starts with praise the Lord in some translations or praise Yah. I want you to understand it's a corporate imperative. Hallelujah. Hey, all of y'all praise Yah. That's what's going on here. So every time you read in your English Bibles, praise the Lord. I want you to remember behind that is hallelujah. In other words, all y'all praise Yah. And I love that ending of, we, we all know hallelujah. Well, guess what? Don't forget hallelujah. Yah is the beginning of Yahweh. God, the one true creator God who rescues his people by grace and says, hey, refer to me as Yahweh. Not only does he give us his personal name to call upon him, but God's people, sometimes when they responded to the goodness of God, they even abbreviated Yahweh's name down to Yah. And one scholar calls this a diminutive of affection. If you never met me and you want me to give money organization, you sent me a letter in November, December to Robert Holt. That's because you don't know me very well. But if you know me, you call me Robbie because we're on familiar terms. God in his grace rescues his people. He gives us his very name, Yahweh. And when God's people are filled with adoration and affection, they even say, Yah. They put his name on the front and back end of their names and they abbreviate it out of deep affection. So Psalm 147.1, it's right there on page 13. Hey, y'all, praise Yah for it's good to make music to our God because he is lovely. Because he is lovely. Because he is lovely, praise is beautiful. 
If you have a pen, I just want you to write this down. You don't have to show anybody else. For your heart in 2022, what was most lovely? If you would, I'll bring in sheets of paper and I'll invite you to write down everything that's more beautiful than the Lord himself. How long will that take? The most important reset you and I can have is to see that the Lord is good and he's worthy of our adoration. And to be off at your core adoration is to be off everywhere. And today, the beginning of 2023 is a great year to take inventory. What has my heart said? This is lovely. This is whose face I seek. This is whose favor I need. This is whose approval I crave. This is what situation I need to most be happy. What has your heart said? This is lovely. Adoration is saying the Lord himself is lovely. Praise is beautiful and he's worthy of my affections. Nothing will straighten out the whole of your life more than getting your affections straight and knowing who's worthy of worship. We all adore someone, something in this devotion leads the whole of our lives. Adoration brings you before whatever God you hold as lovely. So adoration is the heart of prayer and the most important way to fight for your heart's health. So let me tell you a secret. Are you ready? As a pastor, I've been growing in my prayer life and I always need to grow. That's genuinely true. I wrestle and struggle to grow in my prayer life. And in four different churches, I've brought groups together, Covenant Press being the fourth of those, to get a group together to teach people and to grow in prayer together. And and all four of those really good, healthy churches as I've gathered God's people and said, hey, let's grow in prayer together. We always say, hey, let's start with adoration and get the supplication letter later. And guess what I've learned? It's really hard for lots of people. When it comes to adoration, we're like on the Audubon. Thank goodness there's no speed limit here. We get to supplication and it's like we're walking out a country, a country trail. I was talking to Scott Levy about this recently and he said, yes, we're more oriented to seek God's hand than his face. Supplication is really important. Where else are you going to take your deep heart requests? But you got to know that seeking God's face comes before seeking his hand. Will you prayerfully consider growing with me? Please, I need it. Will you consider growing with me this year and seeking God's face? That's a real request. And you can let me know if you want to, how you answer that. Will you grow with me this year as I need to grow in seeking God's face? Now, right adoration, true worship will always lead to confession and gratitude. Confession, Psalm 147, verse 6. When you are in God's presence, confession is a no-brainer. Yahweh sustains the lowly. He brings the wicked 
down to the earth. Well, that ought to get you confessing your sin. (laughs) You can get yourself low in God's presence or be low because you didn't. Confession really matters. Look with me back on page 12. There's Proverbs 4. Look with me at verse 23 and below. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free from perversity, twisted speech. Here's one way to guard your heart. Pay attention to your patterns of speech. And when speech is twisted, repent. Keep it away. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. When you try that very good project, you recognize you have heart problems. Why would I have twisted speech? Why would I have corrupt talk? It's because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you want to do heart inventory, pay attention to your speech patterns. Verse 25, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. And here's the last two verses. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet. Be steadfast. Verse 27, do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Uh, One reason uh, that we need to confess our sins is that we don't always obey obey these imperatives and we need to note it and admit it and turn back. It's exceedingly important to pay attention to the direction of our speech life and the direction of our feet. That is the way we're living our lives. And if you think it's only about behavior, you're misunderstanding how the heart works. But if you pay attention to your behavior, your speech patterns and where your eyes and your feet go, then those are great. You can follow those crumbs back to what's going on in your heart. And when you recognize that you're following paths that aren't healthy and destructive, then you get to confess, which is a way to receive grace by faith. And that leads to thanksgiving. Sing to Yahweh with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is directed toward God, the true giver of all good things. So thanksgiving is a significant ingredient to healthy prayer and a necessary ingredient to heart health. And finally, this leads to supplication where I'm not going to slow down because I've learned that everyone has a lot of practice habits of asking for stuff. And it's not wrong. But here's what I want you to hear. The heart that sits in God's presence, seeking his face, calling him lovely, adoring him, confessing sin, giving him thanks. That heart is best prepared to pray for others, for oneself according to God's will. Because when we sit in God's presence, confess our sin, thank him for all his good ways, then when we pray for each other, we're in a much healthier and holier place to ask for God's really good gifts. I can remember these moments where you just, in God's presence, you get arrested and you stop caring about dumb stuff and you start caring about the right stuff. I can remember when my kids were little and I can remember praying for them, putting them in the bed. And I can remember praying, oh Lord, I don't care if they grow up and marry people that dig ditches as long as they love you. And that was a true heart prayer. When you're in God's presence and you love what God's love, then you care about the deepest, most important, most important things. And that's why Acts is actually a helpful pattern of prayer. It's helpful to adore God first because he's better than any gift he has to give and he's worthy of it. 
It's right to confess sin because anytime I'm adoring God, I'm aware of things in me that are just off. It's good and right to give God thanksgiving because he's filling our hearts and our lives with so many good things. And having done those things, it makes perfect sense to say, oh, Father, you're so good and gracious and kind and forgiving. Would you please remember my son today in these ways? Supplication is so much healthier and holier when it goes in that direction. Finally, I got one more question, two more questions asked really fast. Where are we going to guard our hearts and when? Here's where. We already said it, bringing our hearts into God's gracious, good, holy presence. Here's how the epistle to the Hebrews says it. You and I have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God. Let's keep holding on to that. <laughs> keep, keep that confession. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Here's Hebrews 4, 16. Because he's done what we failed to do, because he can sympathize with us, but also he was without sin, let us then with confidence hear this great imperative, draw near to the throne of grace. The most important thing that I can tell you about guarding your heart is to bring your heart into God's very throne room where you can come with boldness and confidence because of Jesus Christ and the life he lived for you, the death he lived for you, the resurrection he was raised for you. He ascended to the right hand of God, the father almighty for you. He intercedes for you in Christ Jesus. Here's the gospel of prayer. You can ascend right into God's holy presence. And that's where, that's the best place to guard your heart. How are you going to guard your heart by yourself? That's not the key. You and I can guard our hearts and we guard them best by bringing them into the very throne room of God to receive his promised grace. And when y'all, when we do it together, let us with confidence then draw near to the throne of grace. We may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Final thing, when? When will we do this? I hope we'll do it in the morning. Hope we'll do it in the evening. Hope we'll do it throughout the day. Pray without ceasing. But I got one more invitation for you. In 10 days on January 11th, Henry mentioned this, uh, our our one primary Wednesday night study will be growing in prayer together. I hope you'll come. So we'll learn how to seek God's face together. And get our hearts reset in his very presence. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your grace in our lives. Thank you for welcoming us into your very presence, into your very throne room. Thank you for sending your son to rescue us, to draw us to yourself. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for your gift, for your very presence in the heavenly throne room where we can draw near in you with boldness and confidence, not in ourselves, but you teach us to guard our hearts in your presence. Amen.